Hi, folks. Welcome to episode 120 of the Wealth on Any Income podcast. This is where we talk about money tips, techniques, attitudes, information, and provide inspiration around your business and your money. I'm your host, Rennie Gabriel. In past episodes, we spoke about how to understand the numbers from your business, how to measure the level of pleasure based on where you spend your money, how to track your money in five to 10 seconds, and what determines how close you are to complete financial choice and how to run your business without being in your business. Last week, we had Divian Mystery from the United Kingdom, a successful designer who creates unique and effective websites. And today we have as our guest, Larry Broughton. Larry is an award-winning hotel owner and entrepreneur, CEO, best-selling author, keynote speaker, and former U.S. Army Green Beret. As founder and CEO of California-based Broughton Hotels, CBS News has called Larry the nation's foremost expert on leadership and entrepreneurship. He's the host of the Travel Channel's hit show, Hotel Impossible. That show says he's among the top hospitality experts in the country. His upbeat, creative approach to business and life has been featured in newspaper and magazine articles across the country, and he's been a recurring guest expert on news and TV programs on every major television and cable network, including MSNBC, CNN, CNBC, CBS, The Travel Channel. And among Larry's awards are Ernst & Young's Entrepreneur of the Year, the National Veteran-Owned Business Association's Ventrepreneur of the Year, and Passkey's Foundation's National Business Leader of Integrity. And fortunately, we didn't take up the whole time <laughs> Larry's bio. <laughs> Larry, welcome to the Wealth on Any Income podcast. Wow, Rennie, it's so good to see you again. Um, before we go, though, I need to correct something that uh, maybe you just misspoke there, or maybe you got mm. bad data on there. So I was not the host of Hotel Impossible. Uh, that would be Anthony Melchiori. I was on the show several times with him, uh, helping oh. turn around some of these ho hotels. But yeah, Anthony Melchiori is a great guy in the hospitality industry. And uh, so I just want to make sure that I'm not putting out bad information. Oh, thank you. I appreciate it. that integrity I realized, thing. <laughs> yeah, I realized I, I looked at that wrong. And it says, the host of the Travel Channel says you're among the top hospitality experts. Well, if Anthony says it, I'm going to believe it. Yeah. And, <laughs> and, and knowing the Sportsman's Lodge that you have, uh, the place in Santa Monica where I've been, I know they're quality places. Yeah, thank you. Thanks. You're welcome. So yeah. welcome to the podcast. <laughs> it's great to see you, like I said. Yeah, it's been thank a long you. time. Yeah, yeah. Oh, yeah. Well before the pandemic. Well before that, yes. Yeah. But let's get to it with some questions. Great. That's now, it's obvious you're in the hotel business. Yes. Well, why did you pick that? Well, Sometimes I say, I don't, you know, you don't pick things, they pick you. Right. Yep, that's <laughs> After spending a bunch of years in the military, I thought I was going to get out of the military and maybe go work with the State Department. I knew I wanted to go to school. That was really the, the intention. Um, I wanted to go to college and university uh, at, at that point. Um, I knew I wanted to stu study political science. Maybe I wanted to, you know, run for political office one day. I wasn't really sure. I just knew I wanted to do something on the global stage, you know, in, in that arena. But my first job after getting off of active duty was at, as a night auditor 
in a little no-tell motel in San Francisco in the town of it. I know what those are, no-tell yeah. motel. Yes, I, I don't know how you know that, Renny, but I'm not even well, going to ask. I'm right? well-read, okay? Oh, good, 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 good. But it was in the Tenderloin area uh, district in San Francisco. For those who don't know, that's kind of a pretty rough neighborhood. A lot of drug dealing, pimps, prostitution, homelessness. And so my job was really to keep the peace, you know, um, among those folks. And you're a tall guy, which would be imposing. Yeah, I, I was much larger back then. I'm about six, five ish, I guess. But, you know, I was much more muscular and a lot younger back then. And so I worked the night audit shift. I went in at 11 o'clock at night, worked until seven in the morning and uh, tried to keep the peace among the, you know, craziness that was going on there. Then I would go to school during the day. And um, after being there for a few months, an investment group came in, purchased the property with the intention of turning it around into what back then wasn't even known, but now they consider them boutique hotels. Mm -hmm. And so that did indeed happen. Um, and with this new ownership group, I became quick friends with the managing member of, of that because we are kind of had similar outlooks on life. Although he, he was a Stanford grad, his father was a Stanford grad, his mother was a Stanford grad. You know, and I came from kind of a working poor family back in rural New York. Um, and uh, ultimately, we ended up becoming business partners and uh, grew that hotel company to about 14 hotels in a 14-year period. I left the organization for about a year uh, right around Des when Desert Storm hit and, and then came back. And um, But I fell in love with the hotel industry. Mm -hmm. And uh, I worked on a couple of, or a couple, several political campaigns during that process and realized I just do not have thick enough skin <laughs> to be in the political arena um, because of all the nonsense that goes on there. Yeah. yeah. Um, and it's gotten worse in, in so many ways. Uh, but uh, what I loved about the hotel industry, Rennie, was that it offered, you know, you could put your toe into finance and real estate and marketing and team building and leadership and customer service, all kinds of things. And so for my kind of multifaceted levels of interest, it just kept me very intrigued. And so I ended up sticking around. And after being at that organization for about 14 years, I stepped down on my own after realizing the way I describe it is this. I was a primary leader stuck in a secondary leadership role. I was never going to be the CEO of that organization, yeah. but I'm built more as an executive than an operations person. And so I knew that if I was going to be stepping into my fullest potential, I need to step away from the safety of that full-time paycheck and the distributions that came from being an owner in the organization and chart my own path. And so I did that. that and like you said, it's, there are things that find you as opposed to you find them. It's so, it's so right. I remember one of the first <clears throat> PR pieces that was written on me. I may butcher this, but... Um, the author or the journalist who wrote this said that Larry was in the right place and right and waited for the right time to come along. <laughs> and sometimes we have to do that, right? Yeah. It's yeah. Patience, right? Yeah. So that's what and, and, and to back up the who finds who, as you know, I donate a hundred percent of my profits to various charities from the work I do training other people. Sure. And one of the primary um, recipients is sheltered to soldier that uh, uh, trains rescued animals to be yeah. service dogs for yeah. veterans who come back with PTSD and yeah. traumatic brain injury. Yeah. So 
They don't commit suicide. But one of the things I remember the founder told me is the veteran doesn't pick the dog. The dog picks the veteran it's going to work with. Yeah. Yeah. It's really quite amazing. And I've seen people's lives transformed when they get a service animal. Yeah. Most of them are, I use the word service animal, but service dogs, that's the primary thing. Yeah. Right. And boy, it's uh, it's life changing. It truly is life changing for a lot of folks. Yeah. So I, I'm glad that you're doing that work. Thank, Thank you. you. And I know that, you know, a portion of people's when they check in or when they check out, well, forget about how. Tell me what charity or causes are the most important to you right now, because I know they alternate. They do alternate, but there's generally three that we stick to. One is called the Green Beret Foundation. For those who don't know, folks that are in the special operations community do most of the heavy lifting in the military. When when I say heavy lifting, I mean most of the, you know, door kicking in doors and, you know, doing the really difficult work in this global war on terror. They've been really taking the brunt of it. And many of those uh, folks leave families behind and they need to be uh, supported. And so Green Beret Foundation does a lot of uh, good work there. Um, Similarly, in the civilian community, there's an organization called IJM, International Justice Mission, that I've supported for, for years through doing fundraising and holding dinners and, and that kind of thing. And these are real-life superheroes that are literally kicking indoors of um, the slave trade and uh, mm. human trafficking uh, trade. In fact, if you were to go to their, their website right now, you won't find their office address because they're breaking up billion dollar sex trade and slave trade around the world. And so for their own safety, if you want to go meet with them in Washington, DC, you're going to meet at a public place first. There'll be a bona fides and they will prove that you, you are who you say you are before you go to the meeting. And that's that serious. And, um, And they're doing amazing work there. And the other one that I do regularly is called Kiva. They they offer to entrepreneurs around the world. It started out, they were just doing stuff in third world and developing countries. And I'm a big believer. I've traveled to many places across the African continent, helping entrepreneurs start, run, streamline their businesses. And so Kiva does that. I, I spend most of my dollars there helping women, mm-hmm. um, women entrepreneurs. You know, I can't think of one guy that we've helped, but I've helped hundreds of, of folks there. Uh, I've been with, uh, with Kiva for a couple of decades anyway. Mm. And so I, I like the work that they do. Now they do um, offer microloans to US-based entrepreneurs now as well. Mm. Oh, I didn't know that. Yeah, I just, yeah. yeah, we've been doing it for many years and I knew it focused on third world countries yeah. and and primarily women because they're the backbone of communities. Yeah. Of course, yeah, of course. It's great. Um, I, I believe that entrepreneurship is the most powerful force in the world you know, besides spiritual force. Um, but, you know, entrepreneurship has lifted more people out of poverty over the last couple of decades, few decades than any social program, any government program has ever done, you know. And just the pride that comes with people pulling themselves up mm-hmm. out of these poverty, you know, levels. It's multi-generational. Yeah. You know, when these women's children see them do this, they say, oh, it can be done. Right. Exactly. So, it, um, it's well, I could talk old, for hours about this, but this is powerful stuff. Exactly. It's the old, you know, give a man a fish or teach him how to fish. That's right. Yeah. Absolutely. Great parable. Well, let's get a little deeper. Tell me okay. what your biggest failure 
or learning experience was and what insight did you gain from that? Wow. Randy, you want to cut deep. All right. <laughs> well, probably still to this day, probably my biggest, let's say public failure was my divorce. Uh, um, that happened. Um, well, I think we separated about a dozen years ago, 11 years ago now, if I think about it. All right. So Larry, why would you say public? Well, because it, I was kind of a public person. Uh, back then on the outside it looked like we had it all going on yeah. you know no one knows what goes on behind closed doors exactly. in, in marriages right and so um, this is just kind of a cautionary tale to a lot of people i learned this in the kind of recovery field or programs don't judge your insides by everyone else's outsides okay it may look like that couple has got it all together but you don't know what's going on inside them just like they don't know what's going on inside you you know that person who's driving that Porsche that you, you know, wished it, that you had, you have no idea, you know, they might be looking for the next concrete embankment that they can drive that thing into. We just don't know. Right. Yep. So what did I learn from that? Well, so much back then, Randy, I was very, very focused on shielding the real Larry to the world. Mm -hmm. My fear back then was if people really knew my flaws, they wouldn't love me. Right. If yep. they really knew the wounds that I was carrying around and that included my bride, you know, mm. um, if she really knew what was going on, she, there was no way that she could love me, you know? And so uh, open communication, I learned there's real power in that. It takes courage though. I mean, it takes real courage to speak the truth. It takes courage to tell the truth, even when it's hard, especially when it, when it's hard. Also, I learned you have to be committed to healing. You have to com be committed to healing from, from, from the past, right? Back then, I used to focus purely on my business, and I thought that the world would reward me. If they knew that I was busting my butt, growing my empire, making money, then everything was going to be sunshine, lollipops, and rainbows. And that my bride would know that I was cared for mm -hmm. her, and I loved her, and loved my kids. But her juices weren't being, or her whatever bucket Needs her heart being held, yeah not not even close and so what i realized is that life begins beyond the bottom line and so because of that i kind of actually developed a tool for my clients and business coaching clients and business i mean and myself called the whole health spider graph what i realized is that there's really kind of eight major spans in our lives that includes physical financial professional spiritual friends relationships all those kind of things but if I'm focusing on my business 100% of the time, guarantee those other areas of my life are being neglected. Mm -hmm. And so the idea with this tool that we had developed is that we want to have whole health in all areas, all right, so that I'm not just excelling in one area, but for hopefully in most areas of, of my life. And so I had to learn that, well, I, here's what I learned, the power and honest communication. Yeah. And that I'm worthless to my team and to my business, frankly, if my spiritual life, my relational health aren't all in good order. So it's a very, very painful time. But I'll tell you what, Randy, thank goodness I was an entrepreneur when I was going through this. I was able to, for the first six months when I got separated, 40 hours a week I dedicated to getting healthy, getting whole, 40 hours a week. You know, I had our chief operating yeah. officer step into our, our yeah. interim CEO role. And then for the six months after that, I spent 20 hours a week getting healthy. What do you mean by getting healthy? 
accountability groups, journaling, writing, reading, meeting with therapists, whatever it meant to get healthy, that's what I focused on. And so one of my mantras is I'm not who I used to be. Yeah. yeah. You don't you don't transform yourself by focusing on the past and being stuck in the past. No, it, it, you're you're absolutely right. It, it all you need is an awareness of what happened to transform it. Without that awareness, yeah. there can't be any transformation. That's right. And you know, I talk about being a, a latchkey kid when I was growing up, yeah. which is why I took responsibility for myself. I wouldn't ask for help and all the rest mm. of that stuff. Mm -hmm. uh, but being aware of that is not the same as being committed to transforming it. Ain't that the truth? Yeah. So it's, it's a big step beyond the awareness and actually getting intentional about making the change. Exactly. So yeah, yeah my life transformed in my forties and yeah. uh, because I became willing to ask for help. And when I did that, my gosh, it just showed up enormously. It's so interesting. You should say that, that you have to be willing to ask for help. It takes guts to ask for help. Yeah. I, I know what goes on in our minds. Well, if I ask for help, then I'm going to look weak, you know, or I'm going to be vulnerable. You yep. know, I want to do it on my own. Somehow we got it in our head that, that we believe in this lone wolf myth about success and life and the yeah. rugged individualist <laughs> and all that kind of stuff. But what I realized, Randy, is that when we ask for help, we're giving other people an opportunity to help and to serve us. And, and by not doing good. that, we're rejecting the joy that comes from helping other people. Right. Gift. When people say, hey, Randy, do you need any help? And you say, no, I got it. It's like they're offering you a gift and you're saying, no, I don't I don't want that gift. Yeah, you're absolutely right. And it's the foundation. Uh, the last time around when I created, you know, the wealth that I have, I created the expression wealth creation is a team sport, not a solo sport. I like that. And it yeah. applies to business. It applies to relationship. Yeah. It applies to every area of life. It yeah. is a team sport. And yeah, yeah the, the lone wolf syndrome doesn't help any of us. Yeah, so for sure. Thank for you for sure. emphasizing yeah. that. Yeah, I appreciate sure. it. Of course. When it comes to the hotel business, though, yeah. let me ask this. What difficulties did you encounter during the pandemic and how did you adapt? Holy macaroni. Well, for those economists out there, people who watch the, the you know, business cycles, you, you probably know that the hospitality industry, by all measures, was the worst hit industry during the pandemic. That's why I'm asking. Yeah, it was crushed during that, during it. But frankly, anyone who owns a business, not all businesses, but many businesses, realize that, uh, boy, at a flip of a switch, the government can shut you down. They may not be targeting you personally, but they have that power, right? And so first of all, um, I used to think I was so smart because we used to, for all of our businesses, we used to carry, you know, roughly three months, four months, maybe five months of free cash flow to help yeah. in case there is a downturn. Mm -hmm. but, but who the heck budgets for one year, 100% shutdown, zero cash flow coming in? Nobody budgets. For that, for that. No. Do you know that the average business in the U.S. has, I think it's 23 or 26 days of free cash flow? Mm -hmm. That's it. That's it. Right. So, is it any wonder? And when you look at the hotel industry and particularly the restaurant industry, which we own and operate restaurants as well, these are single digit margined businesses. And so, by a lot of estimations, over 20% of the restaurants in the, in the, uh, 
the country will never reopen. Yep. Um, and some of the major markets, over 20% of the hotels will never reopen. So we were crushed, decimated, frankly, not to the extent that a lot of businesses were where they actually closed their doors during the, the pandemic and handed hotels back to the banks and that kind of thing. Although we did on, on one uh, in particular, but we do have some hotels that have closed their doors mm. um, and not reopened. So what have we done? So we've had to reshift, start uh, pivot. We're moving into the asset management space rather than the, the, than just the ownership and offering third-party management uh, stuff, uh, or services to uh, the clients. But the major thing, Randy, is that the humility that comes from this is powerful and will serve us all into the future, I, I hope. So our major shift comes from being very intentional about re recognizing our gratitude that we have, that we're even still alive, like yeah. living, breathing. Yeah. Because we all know, particularly the space that you're in, where you're serving people, a lot of folks took their life during this time. They took their own, at their own hand. Mm -hmm. a lot of suicide. We know that suicide rates have skyrocketed since the pandemic, right? Yes. And not just in the hotel industry. So what have we learned in the in our hospitality space? Now, because I do, you know, I've got other businesses as well, but every morning we have what we call a morning stand-up. We've been doing this for years. Mm -hmm. right? So we get to, we get the entire the key executives together, and very quickly we go through. What do you what have you accomplished yesterday? What do you hope to accomplish today? Now we've added an extra element onto that now since the pandemic. And that is we start out with saying, what are we grateful for? Mm -hmm. We start with that. What are you grateful for? And it's amazing. Like in the beginning, people would get very emotional. Well, first of all, it was very difficult for some people yeah. to say it, but then they started getting very emotional. I'm grateful for whatever it it, it might be. And there's something about when you start recognizing the universe for the blessings that you have. And uh, that even in our worst times, we probably don't have it as bad as some people in the world. And you always, and I mean, always have something to be grateful oh, for. Absolutely. Right? So that's the biggest lesson. I would just encourage people to consider this. Just consider for 30 days, starting your meetings, go around the room. I'm not talking about with client meetings. You can try it, I guess. Yeah. But internal meetings. Mm -hmm. What are you grateful for? today and do that for 30 days and see what happens to your attitude okay. I, I, it's a challenge yeah. and uh, it, it's something my wife and i are very in tune with yeah and when the pandemic hit because we have apartment buildings and you know people didn't have to pay rent i looked at a couple of things and one of them was well if none of our investments pan out if none of the tenants pay rent because of my insecurity, yeah. we had two years of free cash flow. And talking about insecure. <laughs> yes. Yeah. 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 But you know what ended up happening? What's that? 100% of our tenants paid 100% of their rent through the entire pandemic. Wow. That's a rarity. But that's because of how I interact with our tenants. Yeah. In the same way that you interact with your employees and your employees interact with your guests, whether it's yes. the restaurants, the hotels, yeah. whatever business, because from the top, it filters down to the bottom. Absolutely. And we, we forget that sometimes we, we, we forget that people are always watching. Yeah. Always, no matter what you do, people are watching you. The good, the bad doesn't make any difference. It does not matter. <laughs> does not matter. Yeah. That's good. Congratulations on that. 
and you're setting the you're setting a standard, I think, for people on how to live. Yeah, somebody I mean, told me a long time you, you never know the impact you have on people's lives. That, know, that's true. Don't. Yeah, as a, as an example, I just thought of this, but every single new tenant gets a copy of my book when they move in on how to handle money powerfully. Oh, I love that. That's and great. many of the tenants have left us when they bought their own home. That's awesome. Yeah. So, so now, Larry, I'm sure my listeners will want to know more about staying in contact with you. Is there some free resource or something you can provide that, that will continue to keep people able to be in connection with you? Well, let me do this. I mean, if, if people go to thelarrybroughton.com. And I'll, I'll put that in the show notes. There's a recording that I did several years ago I, I meant to write a book on this and just didn't so i took basically the synopsis of this book that i wanted to write it's called uh, revealed eight mission tested strategies for success in life and leadership and when i put this recording it's about an hour recording um on these eight different i guess um strategies i didn't realize the impact it was going to make in people's lives we have received countless and i'm not kidding countless number of text, emails, people saying this changed my life. And in many cases, this saved my life. There was a nugget in here that resonated with me that was so powerful, I continue to fight on. So let me give that to folks. And they can get that by going to yugozi.com slash revealed. Okay, yugozi. Okay, that's one of my... Yeah, you got to have to spell Y-O-O-G-O-Z-I.com slash revealed. So it's Y-O-O-G-O-Z-I dot com slash revealed. Great. The recording and there's an action guide in there. I mean, it's, you know, it's it's a great recording. So love for people to have that. Hopefully that touches their their hearts and beings. Thank you, Larry. And yeah. uh, I, I will make sure that link is in the show notes. Great. All people will have to do is click on it. And I want to thank you for being on the Wealth on Any Income podcast. Of course. My pleasure. Thanks for having me. You got it, Larry. And to my listeners, thank you for tuning in. With this broadcast being so close to Christmas and New Year's, it'll be the last one for 2022. Our next broadcast will be on January 9th, 2023. And our guest will be Iman Agay, the founder of Success Road Academy, Canada's leader in online marketing and training. You can listen to the Wealth on Any Income podcast on your favorite platform, and please rate, review, and subscribe. And if you'd like to know how books, movies, and society programs you to be poor and what the cure is, then log on to wealthonanyincome.com forward slash TEDx. You'll hear my TEDx talk and can request a free 27-page roadmap to complete financial choice and receive a weekly email with tips, techniques, or inspiration around your business or your money. And if you'd like to see how you can increase your wealth and donate to the causes that touch your heart, please check out our affordable program, Wealth with Purpose. Until next week, be prosperous. Bye-bye for now.